Hey everybody, welcome back to the Behind the Net podcast. I believe this is Frederick Anderson episode. I just uh, lost my tongue there. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, as always, it's me, Michael, and beside me is my co-host. Matthew. And yep, uh, the Frederick Anderson episode or the Carey Price episode or however you want to go about it, episode 31. Wow, 31 is a lot of episodes that crazy, we've done so far. It's pretty crazy, and we've been keeping it consistent. Proud of us yeah. for that, honestly. I mean, aside from like a month break, we've been pretty active with these episodes. Mm. And uh, if it's not for you guys, uh, we wouldn't be doing this. So thank that was, you for everybody that was, for listening. Oh, for sure. And that was the holiday break. So uh, we'll allow it because it's the holidays. <laughs> of course, of course. Of course. Um, but yeah, man, how's how's your week been? It's been good. Chill, chill is probably the one way that I would describe it. Uh, just catching up on video games, obviously doing the exercise. Uh, very active these days uh just today actually i told you about one game i bought uh rocket league in the chat room mm-hmm. that we're in but i actually bought a second game as well and it's a, it's a game that just came out uh spongebob uh, battle for bikini oh my Bottom, gosh remaster I, i'm playing that right now too oh really I, think you, I don't know if you saw it on twitter but yeah me and juno are talking about what i <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we could talk about that on the on the podcast dude uh i've been playing it so much right now um, oh yeah yeah, how about you? I just bought the game. I'm going to play it after we finish recording. Uh, it's a game that I've always wanted to play from like back in the game you have days. It, you, but have from, you played it before? I had never had never had it, but I've always wanted to play mm-hmm. it. So the fact that I get to do this now is like, this is realizing a dream. I was looking forward to this game all year. <laughs> That's going <laughs> to sound weird, me. but this is one of my favorite games growing up. I think I got it when I was like whatever 2003 so i was like five but i think i got it on christmas day not in 2003 i remember i wanted it so bad and i got it on christmas day and i play that game so much i sell my original ps2 copy um mm-hmm. and there's like a cult following for the game of course that's why uh it's getting a remake in the first place or it got a remake in the first place it was because so many people acknowledged it as being just one of the best platformers especially on that sixth generation of consoles mm-hmm. um you know, obviously the golden age of platformers was like, you know, the N64 PlayStation 1 era with Crash Bandicoot and Spyro and, and Banjo oh, and Super Mario 64 and all that, right? Um, yeah. That was the golden age, but the sixth generation had a lot of good platformers, but surprisingly, this was one of the best ones. Uh, I, Battle for I Bikini totally Bottom. It was amazing. Everything worked perfectly well. Um, it was just, it's just so fun. And yeah, I picked up the uh, remake. Finally, I was looking forward to it like a lot. Uh, I think we even talked about it on stream. Uh, we'll get we'll get to uh, into our streams after, but mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just so good. It's like uh, it really is like it plays exactly like the original game. It's just updated graphics. Yeah, and, and I agree that it was it was definitely one of the best platformers of that era. And it's a shame that I missed out on it during its uh, original uh, peak. And I'm sure that a lot of it would have been a game that would have chairs finally growing up. So just getting a chance to play it now uh, on the Xbox One for me, it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to experiencing this for the first time. Mm-hmm. My uh, my childhood was uh, filled with a lot of those Nickelodeon games of that era. What like Ooh, uh, they, tell SpongeBob, me Jimmy Neutron, uh, Fairly Odd Parents, and yeah, uh, yeah, those were those games were fun. I know only Sponge only the SpongeBob ones really got a lot of praise, but the other the other the other ones from the other shows were uh, really fun too. Okay, have you played Nicktoons Unite? Yeah, okay. I actually have that. That one's really fun and it's uh multiplayer. 
Yeah, that was the game I was just thinking of when you were talking about all the Nickelodeon games, because it's true. Like, that game, and there was, like, this one in the arcades called Nicktoon Racing, I believe. Mm -hmm. Like, you got, I gotta admit, Nickelodeon always had some deep, good games from back then. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, they're, like, their shows and and the the worlds they created and the shows and the characters and everything, they really, uh, they really were, like, really interesting, and they lended themselves well to video games. Oh, absolutely. You know, speaking of interesting, uh, we have an interesting idea that we want to share with you guys on this week's podcast. Uh, we've talked about it on uh, Matthew's stream, uh, I would believe it was on Monday, mm-hmm. and we just wanted to share with you all, uh, we're doing a Nintendo Switch tournament uh, mm-hmm. with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Mm-hmm. So specifically, uh, we wanted to do a uh, behind-the-net podcast, I guess tournaments. I mean, everyone's still kind of, I know I know the world's starting to open up, but everyone's generally still in quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, why not do some fun things? Maybe like a little Mario Kart tournament. Uh, we will start the Mario Kart tournament soon. Uh, I believe it's pretty easy. I think uh, you could just host an online tournament and give people a code um, to do it. Um, we'll 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 figure out the rules and um I guess our scoring system. But uh, we'll do that first for fun, and then uh, maybe we want to do Smash Bros as well. But uh, yeah, I mean if you're listening to this, uh, watch out for. I think. I, I was thinking we'll probably do a like a Google form and tweet that out, and then people could sign yeah. up. Um, so then we have all their names kind of organized. Um, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. thinking too. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we'll let it run. And yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, also, side note: uh, if you haven't caught us streaming yet, we've we've been streaming quite a bit. Uh, Fortnite and uh, Call of Duty. I think we'll jump back on to Call of Duty again, but Fortnite's really fun too, and we actually win in that. <laughs> Yes, we do. Yeah, we we, had, we came pretty close on the last one. Uh, mm-hmm. And thankfully, now that we've got Rocket League, we have a third game we could be playing as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely on the lookout for those streams. They're Rocket, a lot of fun. Rocket League so fun. But uh, yeah, if you want to catch a streaming, uh, honestly, we don't really have a schedule. We just kind of pick a day when we're free. Um, but on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Matt Rodrigo, and uh, we usually do it around 10 p.m., um, but we're starting to try to uh start streaming a little earlier maybe like nine or hopefully mm-hmm. a little earlier than that We've, i know some people have said they've wanted us to stream a little earlier oh of course yeah and, and a lot of people have been giving uh like really enjoyed especially the last stream uh poor omar with the sharks <laughs> <laughs> oh man that was my first time playing uh the new Fortnite season so i didn't even know there were sharks too so it freaked me out too but <laughs> honestly that 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 man he has just the best reactions i feel bad for him but at the same time it's so funny oh yeah so uh yeah i mean with that uh oh i do want to say play spongebob and tell me what you think because this is probably like my whatever 10th 15th mm-hmm. time playing it through because i used to play it so much time as a kid but it still feels new it still feels so new and it still feels so great maybe it's because it's been years but you're gonna really enjoy it honestly oh, you're gonna wait. really enjoy it. it basically took a lot of the things that like you know Mar- um, super mario 64 and banjo and things didn't do well um and it, it's it kind of fixed on those things to make it a really good platformer well of course yeah mm-hmm. i can totally agree with you that and uh for those of you who are interested to see what my thoughts are check back next week when i will inevitably spew high praise for this game what'd you get on <laughs> did you get on uh switch oh i got it on the xbox, xbox one okay i wonder it doesn't have crossplay does it? i know they have a uh, multiplayer mode I'm going to have to check on that. But if it, I'm if sure it had that, crossplay, uh, that would be fun to stream oh, yeah. or something. Because I heard they have multiplayer too. That's what I'm. <laughs> yeah, it's just like to. a kind of mini. I don't even know if it's like a battle arena kind of type thing, but uh, it looks pretty cool. But we'll see. Um, you know, I, oh, go on. 
I was actually going to say, because you're mentioning Battle Royale, uh, there's kind of a battle for uh, position in the Hockey Hall of Fame, isn't that right? Man, you with your uh, <laughs> you, you with your transitions, always on point. <laughs> I was just going to be like, and uh, in other news. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Good. so uh, it just happened, um, what, like half an hour ago. Um, they announced the uh, the new class of uh, for, for the Hockey Hall of Fame, the new induction class. And uh, I have the you have the names. The, yep, I have the okay. list here. Uh, courtesy of Chris Johnston. There's actually plenty of others uh, that have put out the names, but this is the first one that came mm-hmm. on my uh, feed. The name, the inductees this year are Ken Holland as a builder, Marion Hosa, Jerome Aginla, Kevin Lowe, Kim St. Pierre. She's a female uh, goalie, and Doug Wilson. Mm-hmm. So uh, first, of course, congratulations to uh, all the inductees. And uh, I want to hear your thoughts on it because uh, I mean we could uh, we could already see that the uh, the class is led by uh, Jerome McGinley and uh, Marion Hosa, um, but uh, give me what are your thoughts uh, super quickly on the uh, on the uh, class. Well, I will say this: uh, I was not surprised by McGinley and Hosa. I'm going to be honest; I was expecting those two to be in the Hall of Fame, and uh, good for the Hall of Fame for mm-hmm. putting them in right away. Uh, the only thing I'm a little bit disappointed with is uh, a few things. Number one, the fact that Alexander McGillney has yet to be inducted, mm-hmm. even though he's very much deserving to be in there. And number two, the two players that did, the two other guys that did make it in, uh, Doug Wilson and Kevin Lowe, waited over 20, 20 years or more to make it in. It, I have mixed reactions for that. For one, it takes that long for some players to make it in. But also, why is that player... Kevin Lowe getting in over a player that pretty much revolutionized Russian hockey players in the mm-hmm. NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with that statement. Uh, definitely McGillney. Uh, I, 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 when, when, you know, this morning when I was thinking about who might be inducted, um, I definitely thought the first two were locks. I, I've again, more than anything. And I thought McGillney uh, would have been, you know, would have had a spot there too. Um, but I think, I mean, like you said, just looking at the other names uh, who, you know, the ones who uh, it took a while for them to be inducted. Um, I guess that I guess that just shows, you know, um, it really does take a long time for some for some players to really get uh, mm-hmm. to get recognized. And I think uh, it, I think it also speaks to the star power in their respected uh, eras, um, the kind of. I don't want to say it's just based on their name and, and their star power, but I think it really does push it. You know, the, obviously, you know, names like Aginla and Hosa will, you know, because of how big they were during their time when they played, it's going to carry over a lot more. It's going to carry a lot more weight than other players who might, you know, sit at the back of people's minds just a little more, even though they're just as deserving. Absolutely. And uh, I'm looking at some of the other names that didn't make it. Another one that's causing a bit of an uproar is Daniel Averton not making it in. Mm-hmm. I believe it's now for the fourth straight year I, that's happened. I honestly, today, this morning, I thought it would be Daniel Alfredson and Jerome McGinley. I thought they would, both of them would be locks. And I thought, I thought Alfredson had a, um, you know, had a spot ahead of Hosa, if anything. But I guess, I guess it'll be mm-hmm. another year waiting. Yeah, I will. I will say this as a Leaf fan. As much as you want to hate Alfredson, uh, because like, oh, he's a senator, ugh. 
but you got to respect him. He was he had a great career just as he well was, as uh, he was Matt amazing. Sandin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like there was a debate the other day where they're comparing Sandin to Alfredson, and some arguing that Alfredson was the better player. But you can't tell me that a centerman makes it in is is uh, more viable than uh, a winger because that's always true no matter what. Alfredson is a winger, and I believe his value gets diminished somewhat, and also because of the fact that like uh, Sandin, he never won a Stanley Cup. Although he has the advantage of actually making it to the finals and winning one game. But I don't know. I think there is a case for Alfredson to make the Hall of Fame. He will make it in eventually. I just don't know when. I, and I also don't know what players could be eligible next year for their first time that have an edge over him. No, but I definitely, so, like I said, I definitely think. Make it in. Oh, of course. Uh, Alfredson is definitely going to make it in. And honestly, I thought he should have been made it in already. But, uh,. I guess we'll we'll just have to wait and see him. Really, honestly, next year he he really should be a lock at this point. Oh, mm. I'm sure he will be, unless there's someone that's absolutely insane that's gonna make that's gonna be inducted that goes in before him. But I can't foresee it at this point. Hmm. And I mean, when you're just looking at international players as well, you have to kind of look at what they've done for the game, not just in general, but also for what they've done for you know their country and Swedish mm-hmm. hockey has been uh headlined um for a long time by Sundy and Alfredson by both of them um and, and really helped of course uh the fact that they kind of their teams had a rivalry there and uh really backed them a lot but uh Alfredson definitely is a hall of famer and, and what he's done for Swedish hockey alongside Matt Sundin of course uh can't go unnoticed and I think that should play into their his decision uh to be chosen into the hall of fame Yep, and the same goes for the Sedin twins. When they're ineligible, I'm assuming that they're both going to make mm. it in at the exact same time. There's if if only one of them makes it in before the other, that's going to be the biggest outcry. They have to. They have to. They have to make an exception to add two extra players just so they both can get in at the same time. Wasn't it once like they've never played uh, against each other except I think one All Star game they got selected to the off- to opposing teams. I think. Yeah, I yeah. think so. <laughs> I just I think they just were completely inseparable from from the mm. get go. So you can't you can't leave them out. You can't leave one of them out of uh, a Hall of Fame class. Well, um, <laughs> but with that, I think we'll uh, move on. Uh, again, mm-hmm. congrats to the uh, to the induction uh, the inducting class um, class of twenty twenty. But uh, now uh, we'll keep talking about hockey, um, but more so about the uh, the return of hockey. And uh, I want to talk to you about the hub cities that. Uh, uh, the process of picking the hub cities that's uh, currently currently under underway. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, really ex- mm-hmm. uh, interesting process. Uh, before we get into this, uh, from what I remember, there's six uh, cities left. Um, the decision is still being uh, made, but uh, I want you to first read off to me the list of teams and for the for the listeners at home. So so far, the finalists are L.A., Chicago, Vegas, Toronto, Edmonton, and Vancouver. So three American cities, three Canadian cities, and uh, I, I. So what's the deal with Vegas? I'm sure you know, but uh, I know they were they were supposed to be confirmed for a, a uh, hub city, but are they not anymore? Vegas, I believe they're still in the conversation, and really, what it comes down to, I believe I said this in the past, and I will repeat my. I'm probably going to repeat myself here, but vegas why they're why they're a huge candidate for these uh hub city talks is because of the fact they have a lot of hotels mm-hmm. and it's very close uh to the arena which is where they'll be played but i feel like that's 
only a minor advantage when you have to consider that there's going to be multiple teams in the area that need to play, as well as uh, the need for multiple rinks to p- have these games played. Mm-hmm. So that benefit for Vegas quickly goes away when you realize there's like probably only two arenas, like the actual arena and the NHL size arena. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I brought that point up to you. Uh, I think when we were talking, but yeah, I, I mean, I think about that. Like, if you're going to host, you know, one side of the bracket of the playoffs in one city, um, and let's say you have one to two arenas, like where realistically or how how realistically are you going to space out games and how long will it realistically take? You got to play be- like a couple best of three series um, and then be- a best of seven series. Um, and then uh, like what... Oh, sorry. Did I say what best of three? Is it best of three or best of five in the first round? Uh, best of five. I best believe. of five. That's what, I don't know why I said best of three, but that's all the right. points the point still stands. Um, if anything, that's more games <laughs> um, that they have to schedule. And how are you gonna you know condense that into a couple months when you only have one arena to host? How how many games? Yeah, and for twelve teams at at its peak, mm-hmm. which is uh, going to be hard to manage. I mean, unless, it's probably easier when it's uh, less teams, but unless they're going to have games all day every day, like you know, like you know, like a, a pee wee tournament where you have a game at nine and a game at twelve and a game at three and and a game at seven. That but... doesn't just does not make any sense. <laughs> yeah, for, that for not does not for the make players, sense. Uh, like body, but also just for like like mm-hmm. hygienics, cleaning and, up uh, and like everything. Yeah, it. yeah mm-hmm. exactly. Like I, my brother was going off for a haircut today for the first time, and he said that the, every time that they were they were cutting his hair, they had to disinfect everything every every other time mm-hmm. like they were cutting his hair. So yeah. that just goes to show you that it's got not it's just for that's just for one person cutting their hair. Imagine that for like an entire mm-hmm. NHL team twice. And then you have to do that multiple times a day just to be able to to make the schedule work. I just don't think Vegas works anymore. I agree. Um, uh, I guess we'll just have to see what happens with Vegas. Um, but yeah, that's a big concern I thought of, and uh, that goes into I guess the Canadian markets. I, I feel like um, whether Vegas is a lock or not, I think uh, the big the big question here is. Uh, is Toronto, Edmonton, or Vancouver going to get the other hub city? Because it looks like one of the three is going to be, at least be one of the hub cities. Um, and, uh, I mean, up up in Canada, these cities have, uh, of course, they're, they're kind of bigger hockey markets, of course, and, and they have um, not just NHL arenas, but they have, uh, you know, NHL-sized arenas that also host, you know, um, Canadian like CHL hockey and uh, AHL hockey even mm-hmm. um, and there are a lot more facilities um, dedicated to hockey so uh, what are your thoughts on those three Canadian cities and their their chances of uh, being a hub city this is not really going to be a hot take but it could be for some both can, there should be two Canadian uh, cities be selected for the hub cities mm-hmm. uh, I said that wrong I'll just say it again both hub cities should be in Canada because Canada is doing way better than the U.S. is with handling COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because of the fact that uh, there's so many arenas in both Vancouver, Edmonton, and Toronto that are NHL-sized rinks, like I can think of off the top of my head in Edmonton, there's uh, their new arena, Rogers Place, I think. It's if, Is that right? Yeah. Uh, Rogers okay. Arena, I think. I don't know. Yeah. There's so many Rogers. Uh, there's so many Rogers Arenas, like like too, too arenas many, named after Rogers. Um, let me look it up. Rogers Arena is the is Vancouver's. Oh, okay. <laughs> one. 
Uh, Rogers Center is Toronto, the Blue Jays. Uh, I think it's Rogers Place. Okay, so many Rogers okay. ones. Yes. So Rogers Center, no, Rogers Place, Rogers Arena back in Edmonton and Vancouver. They also have two old arenas that could feasibly be brought back in the Rexall Place mm-hmm. and uh, the Pacific Coliseum. Are those and still, then whatever? Are those still in operation at all? I, I, um, I know the Rexall Center. I don't know if they were going to close that down. I think they were planning on like re, re redoing it like for something else. But uh, if the ice is still there, which there's a possibility that there might be, then why not just bring them back there? It's still fe- feasibly an NHL facility, and it was used as recently as 2016. Mm-hmm. A lot of players will be familiar with it. Hmm. So uh, that's Rexall Place. Actually, it's so many. Yes, these, these names always confuse me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, at least if I get the first part right, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. So I believe it's an unused uh, arena, but you're right. If the NHL decides to go there, I mean, that just shows they have a number of uh, uh, facilities. And let's not forget, you know, the uh, the WHL teams that are over there. And, and even in Toronto and the GTA, you know, mm-hmm. like you have, uh, you know, where the Oshawa Generals play, the Mississauga Steelheads. There's just so many in the GTA as well um, that can be used. Mm-hmm, absolutely that's mm-hmm. a very good point and i think because of the b- bunch of hotel facilities and the allure of being in toronto i think that's probably why the nhl is going to be leaning towards having the games here but if i'm going to be completely honest i'm not fully comfortable with that happening simply because the situation here covid wise isn't as great compared to edmonton and vancouver mm-hmm. and i know and that's why for me that's mm-hmm. where they should be i know um edmonton and actually alberta has been handling it very well um the whole uh, COVID situation. So, I mean, I know uh, everyone's been saying, you know, they don't see it happening in Edmonton, but uh, I, I really do think Edmonton would be a wise choice considering how safe it is to uh, host it in, you know, one of those two cities and even Edmonton specifically. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think, like I said, Vancouver and Edmonton should be the, the picks for the hub cities. To me, that's what they should be. But if we're going to be completely honest, the NHL is going to pick Vegas and Toronto because, of course, they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, uh, I mean, I guess we'll just have to see. Uh, they, they, they should, um, they should uh, decide pretty soon. But, uh, but yeah. And uh, on, on, in other news, uh, baseball's back. Mm-hmm. Woo! So uh, I want to I want to get your thoughts about that, but let me just uh, run down the details really quickly. So finally, I know last week we talked about, um, of course, with the ball girls uh, Jordan and Haley, we talked about uh, just just how hard these negoti- uh, these negotiations have been between the MLB and the MLBPA. Um, mm-hmm. But Major League Baseball is back, and they're setting a sixty game schedule. So they'll be back for sixty games uh, per team, uh, and they're set to open either july 23rd or july 24th um so that'll be opening day Uh, i don't think they've decided on that yet but uh teams will uh teams will uh start uh practicing uh and and training with their team uh july 1st Mm -hmm. so that's uh, really exciting it is exciting uh i mean what else do you have any other thoughts on that i mean i'm I'm definitely excited and uh i want to see how it plays out because i mean we'll talk about this a little later but obviously COVID is still a thing that's uh it's kind of circulating in uh major league baseball right now so mm-hmm. uh we'll talk about that more in depth very shortly but uh, i just want to know your quick thoughts well obviously i think i'm excited but uh, maybe the proper word is cautiously excited 
because uh, just as quickly as they could have these negotiations sorted out, they could just as quickly uh, cancel everything in the wake of uh, ongoing cases. But again, this is what it comes down to with all sports. If it can be feasibly done, the player's safety is ensured, they can do proper testing, and they can close it off to the public, then it's, it's by, by all means, go right ahead with doing those plans and have the season finish as quickly as you can. So you can at least have fans something to watch and have a championship. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, and I believe you're going to think the same thing as me, if it's not safe, then don't go through with it. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. I mean, we've been harping on that uh, on that take or that, that, that fact for the longest time that, you know, I've, I, I said it myself before, but I'm okay if sports got canceled, but um, because I, I, I just want, you know, the players, the player safety should be the priority here. But uh, of course, with hockey, basketball, and baseball, it's all coming back. And uh, we just need to hope that uh, they're able to, you know, uh, I mean, we, we just have to hope that COVID doesn't break out or anything. And if it does, that they're able to contain it safely and, uh, you know, that, that the, the league can run smoothly and, and it's no different for hockey basketball or baseball absolutely and i think that's really the most important thing that uh, these leagues have to recognize that yes it's important that they, they play games for th- their bottom line because that's going to be heavily infected if they decide to uh shut down their season and wait until next year to try again but they have they can't be reckless with uh doing this because remember, the player safety is of the utmost importance. And what will hurt the brand in the long run is if a player in not just one league, but any league, has COVID and has a serious illness from it. And I think that's what they have to make sure they uh, avoid at all costs. Because that would look really bad if they did all this and then this is what ends up happening. Mm-hmm. Um, just for further details on the... Uh on the on the return of baseball uh yep so it is going to be a 60 game schedule um but it's going to be to an empty ballpark so fans can't get in of course as we all expected um and uh of course there will be some altered rules um the the main thing was uh the designator hit designated hitter uh addition to uh uh for national league teams uh for the first time actually and uh playoffs playoff teams will still remain at 10 though um, but they're still, I think they're still working out, uh, they're still working out details. Um, and like with the playoff teams, there's still talk for uh, a possible expansion, but as of right now, baseball is back. And that's, I think as, as long as they can make it work, I'm excited. I mm-hmm. hope it can work, but we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Now I did want to get into the whole, uh, the, 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 the COVID uh, situation uh, and how it plays into the MLB's return and, and just how all these sports uh, kind of uh, play into that situation because uh, I know with uh, in Major League Baseball uh, we've seen a large uh, increase of uh, cases uh, of COVID um, a, a lot of positive tests I know last week they had to shut down uh, practice facilities uh, for uh, out in Florida because of course we saw an increase in Florida uh, in, yep. in number of cases and uh, it's it's brought some concern uh, to MLB players. Uh, Milwaukee pitcher Brett Anderson uh, he tweeted, "What happens when we all get it?" And I want to know your thoughts about all this. Uh, of course, we've been seeing a a bunch of like I said, a bunch of positive tests in uh, baseball. What do you think about like the current state of uh, 
the return to play, not just in baseball, but also you could talk about in in uh, basketball and hockey. Um, should players be concerned? I can understand why some fans would see what all sports leagues are doing as reckless when you consider the timing of certain news, like how yesterday the MLB announced they returned to play, and then this afternoon, Shai Davidi, one of my teachers at Centennial, by the way, reported that multiple Blue Jays players and staff tested positive for COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So that's what give you pause and like, is it was it really worth it in that sense? And that's what I'm getting at with, if it's safe to play, do it. If not, then it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm saying, like with just regenerative sports in general. Make sure you understand the ramifications of what you're doing. And if you have all the tools necessary to make it work, because if you don't, and you're just going to go through it anyway, because you need that sweet, sweet cash, it's just not going to look worth it. And it's not going to look good. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, if you guys haven't heard already, uh, it was reported today, but several Blue Jays players and staff have reportedly tested positive for coronavirus. And that's in addition to the number of players we've uh, heard already um, test positive. That included seven players uh, on the Philadelphia Phillies and uh, also Charlie Blackman. And uh, I mean, Baseball, baseball aside, it's it's been spilling into other sports as well. Um, in hockey, I know we want to talk about this, but uh, eleven NHLers have tested positive, including uh, one. Uh, I mean, the reports have been that one Toronto Maple Leaf has uh, um, has has tested positive, and we'll leave it at that. But what what do you think about all these uh, players, even in hockey, um, and how do you think it, it plays into the NHL's current uh, decision to continue to return to play do you think it wakes them up at all i think it most certainly does and it's certainly if the names are revealed to the public like i know for the nba the one of the most recent names that uh big names that got covid was Nikolai jokic and nadelkovich in uh, tennis also got covid those are some pretty notable names in, in their respective sports that uh got the disease and mm-hmm. i think this is just a matter of do, do the players want to reveal that they have it to the world. That's what I think is the biggest question. Are they comfortable with like revealing it? Is it, does, does their uh, announcement that they have the disease make a major impact on the sports league's decisions? I think it will, but again, that all that's up to the players and the respective teams uh, decision. We should, we have to respect that if they don't want to reveal it. I agree. And I think that's what, uh, it's just a major question. Like, is it worth it? Mm-hmm. Only if the player does. That's I agree. Uh, we have to wait till these players, of course, uh, announce themselves that they have it and reveal, you know, that they have it. But uh, as of right now, we have the numbers. And my opinion is just that it does seem alarming. And honestly, um, I wouldn't be surprised if the NHL and uh, I'll talk about the NBA in a second. But first, uh, of course, the M- NHL and, and even Major League Baseball, uh, of course, we're still seeing Major League Baseball do their testing, so the numbers could rise within the next few days, and we'll have to reassess then, and uh, we'll see uh, what what the leagues say. But for the NHL, in terms of the NHL, it does seem very um, worrying that players are testing positive, and uh, if they're if they're any star players as well, how does this affect the playoffs? Is it even worth um, playing uh, again? Like. What if, uh, you know, like also these, if the, how I see it is if a player is testing positive right now, he should not be playing um, during the season. Yeah. Right? During the return. 
even if he gets better, you don't just put him in there. So how does that play into the season if, you know, if it's star players that ended up getting uh, sick and you're playing playoffs without so many star players, right? Um, mm-hmm. And more importantly, how does this put the the whole league or the, the rest of the players at risk by playing, you know, full contact with uh, players who might have been in contact or obviously, or maybe you could even spread in the hotels or you really don't know, right? So how do these numbers affect the decision i think we'll have to see and especially the nhl i think there's a lot of pressure on the nhl to really monitor this very carefully right now and then reassess um but that's my opinion uh i i said in basketball though there it's a different situation in basketball um we haven't Mm -hmm. been getting players testing positive yet um in the same way as the nhl and major league baseball but we do know that the, that the NBA plans to return um, at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. Same and, with the MLS. Mm-hmm, and Florida has been kind of the new hub for the coronavirus outbreak. And there's been rapidly increasing numbers in Florida. And uh, how does this... First, I'll ask you, how do you think this plays into the NBA's decision? Uh, do you think it makes them kind of regret it all or or want to uh, reassess uh, their decision? I will say this. I think it just puts more pressure. It should, they should put more pressure on Walt, the Walt Disney uh, company to close off the uh, Walt Disney world facility, even though like they want to make their money because Walt Disney world does make us a lot of money for the company. Like you cannot guarantee that the players could potentially run into some fans. That are gonna tr- that are obviously going to try and run into said players, knowing where they're gonna be staying, and that the parks are gonna probably reopen. Like it's just it doesn't make any sense if you put it in that context. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why the uh, the league could put themselves in that situation, knowing that the uh, company is gonna try and make money in their own way. If they really want to do the Disney World, that's the only way you can assure that it'll work. And if it does, if it can't, then I don't think Disney World is going to work in the long run. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, we all know that the NBA is planning to create kind of this bubble that the players will basically be stuck inside in Disney World. So um, I don't think they're worrying about, you know, keeping the players outside from, you know, fans and, and the general public at Disney World. I think they'll keep them completely separate. But yeah. we do have to remember, I mean, the Raptors just arrived uh, in Florida the other day. And uh, we have to remember that these players are going to be traveling there to Florida, which is really a hotspot for COVID right now. And uh, they have to practice a little with their team beforehand. Um, They have to get to the facilities. It's, I think it's exactly like, I think it's those instances of traveling, especially when they're arriving um, where they're really prone to getting it. And I think that's something the NBA has to reevaluate, if anything. And I think this is just goes to show that you can applaud the NHL for not rushing to make a decision on uh, picking their hub cities right away. Like I understand that they want to get it over with and just focus on trying to resume play, but I think it's of the utmost importance that you don't final formalize a plan and set a date for everything, because as then, then uh, that could what happens if that changes, which is going to happen. Uh, it, uh, it could throw your whole plan off course. And mm-hmm. I think that's what the NBA should have realized from the get-go, that uh, 
while Disney World in theory could work because of just closing off the facility to the public, you can't fully, like in hindsight, I didn't really think of this that back then when we were initially talking about this plan, they should have really closed off the facility, like the whole grounds to the public. Because if you want to ensure safety, they cannot interact at any cost. And this is why the NHL, this is why I reiterate my plans from earlier with the NHL. Uh, the hub cities have to be in Canada if for the NHL, simply because the US is just not safe for any sporting activity like this. And you cannot guarantee safety of the players with the uh, COVID still being rampant and that being the most infected place on earth. Mm-hmm. I will say though that of course the NBA didn't account for this to happen. I mean just uh, a couple weeks ago, I thought, you know, the NBA's plan to resume at Walt Disney World seemed a little a little uh, better than the NHL's plan to, you know, have it in two different cities. Um, because then I thought about, you know, travel and, and also the finals. You'd have to travel to one of the two cities. And I thought the NBA's plan would minimize travel and all those things. But, well, of course, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't think that, you know cases would suddenly rapidly increase like they have um but i do think the nba should have had probably another backup plan that they can resort to maybe they do um but we'll see what comes comes about in the next few days or in the next week or so before we just close off this whole COVID conversation i think i just want to mention three nhl players that i think could be like representative of a bunch of other players in other leagues uh oscar Lindblom, capo caco and max domi and I believe we've mentioned Domi and Kako on previous episodes, but uh, I feel like their their cases are very important for this whole thing. Uh, Kako and uh, Domi are known to have diabetes. One has like openly talked about it, and one hasn't really said if he's like Domi for sure hasn't said if he's going to play or not. Meanwhile, Kako will play regardless of what happens. And then Oscar Lindblom the other day was shown to be skating for the first time, and obviously great for him. He's recovering from cancer. But uh, he was playing with the, with at least four other players in the video, from what I could tell. And I think that that's the other thing that all these things need to keep in mind. What about all these players with known underlying conditions or the players that do have underlying conditions but don't know about it? I just want to ask you, how do you account for those players? How do you make sure those players are safe? I honestly would just say those players should should sit out or, or skip the return to play. Um for the safety of themselves. And I think the NHL should really make it. I know. I mean, here's the thing with hockey culture. Hockey players do what they're told, right? They, they want to be tough and, uh, they want to, they want to, they want to report to report to duty, right? Um, Mm -hmm. they want to play. Um, but it should really be normalized that, especially in this situation, um, if a player or an athlete doesn't want to, doesn't want to participate, um, given the situation, they should completely be okay um, to, you know, sit out or skip the return to play. And I, mm-hmm. I, I want to compare it to, I mean, like, look at the NBA. Um, I think they've normalized a little more um, that if you don't want to play or uh, if you if you choose to opt out of playing, that's completely okay. We just saw Avery Bradley um, of the Lakers opt out of the NBA restart. Um, his he, he cited family concerns. Um, and, and a family situation, of course. Um, but you know, there wasn't a lot of backlash or anything, you know, they said, okay, the Lakers said, okay, we'll, uh, we'll sign someone else for the time being, we will fill that hole. And I think, uh, especially for, uh, 
you know, those three players who have underlying health uh, issues, they definitely should be allowed to skip. And I'm not saying they're not allowed. I'm pretty sure they are allowed, but it should definitely be normalized um, and uh, it should be okay this season. Yes, absolutely. Um, before we, like I said, uh, this is, you're, you make a great point. Uh, sorry, I just couldn't really think for a second, but you make a great point about changing hockey culture. And it just reminded me of uh, the CHL uh, talks that have been going on lately, the class action lawsuit. Uh, we'll definitely get into that more next week, but mm-hmm. I do want to point out that uh, it's a very troubling stuff that I've read. And you should definitely read the articles that Ken Campbell has written so far. He's, I believe he's written four already and they're very powerful stuff like they're very they really take you aback like it's just insane but i believe that just leads into the bigger conversation about uh how like for players with underlying conditions like they shouldn't just play because oh i gotta help the boys win if if they're not fully healthy and they don't feel comfortable and it could have ramifications if they play they shouldn't play and i think it's just like a whole mantra for hockey players It, it has to change and it, it also applies to like what happens inside the locker room, which I promise you guys we will talk about next week. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I mean, even looking at, I'm not even looking at that aspect of hockey culture as a negative thing that they, you know, want to be there and report to duty, uh, play for their team. Um, I just think it should be normalized that players should feel comfortable if they don't want to uh, play. I saw a lot of uh, praise for Oscar Limbaum. Uh, obviously, we saw him uh, skating, skating again. And practicing uh i saw a lot of people uh in the comments praising him and a lot of people citing their concerns for uh him um and i think uh a lot of a lot of it was you know he's tough he's a hockey player he wants to uh be there for his team he gave permission of course he gave permission i just want to make sure he feels comfortable and uh, any player really feels comfortable that if they don't want to play they feel comfortable to opt out absolutely and i think that that's really what it goes down to for every league it has to be up to the player's discretion if they want to play. If they mm-hmm. do, that's great. If they don't, that's fine too. Mm-hmm. Hopefully by next season in 2020, 2021, it's fully safe for every player to play and we don't have to worry about uh, these uh, issues of underlying health conditions being at risk. But again, if if that's up to the player's discretion, if they want to play, that's up to them. Mm-hmm. Now we want to keep the... Uh podcast going uh we we are going to do our uh, 2015 nhl draft redo very soon but one more closing thing i wanted to bring up while we kind of it'll segue into our draft redo our draft our redraft uh shortly but uh the nhl draft lottery is very uh very close i believe it's on friday oh mm-hmm. i almost forgot i kind of almost forgot about that to be completely <laughs> honest i mean there's so not in april <laughs> there's not really much we could uh talk about uh so far of course we don't even have hockey back yet but uh of course so it'll be on friday and we'll see how it unveils uh how it reveals uh the draft order of course it's a new completely new kind of confusing order but uh just quickly what are your what are your predictions do you think you know just give me this quick prediction do you think a team in the playoffs will get the the top pick or a top three pick even or do you think it it'll be you know, the top three will be um, lottery lottery teams. I honestly have no idea because <laughs> the NHL drafts for lotteries are very unpredictable. I could easily tell you that, oh, the Leafs are going to win the draft lottery, or at least the position that they'll be in when they lose in the in the play-in round is going to ensure they, they win Alexei Lafreniere. But I have no idea. 
just as likely as Ottawa can win the first two overall picks, it's just as likely that uh, the Buffalo Sabres could uh, win the third overall pick. Or mm. let's say who like a bunch of teams to do really bad. Or Detroit could have the fourth overall pick. Like it's completely unpredictable. There's so many ways that this thing could go. Mm-hmm. But I will say this: this is genuinely the I believe this is the actual first NHL event, major NHL event, since the last games were played in March. Mm-hmm. Just on that alone, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about it a little more uh, later on in the show after a redraft, but uh, de- definitely tune in on Friday for the NHL draft lottery. And uh, we'll take a break with that and we'll be right back with our 2015 NHL redraft. We're back after that break, uh, and it's time for the 2015 uh, NHL redraft. So, uh, for you guys who haven't maybe checked out our redrafts in the past, um, we redo the top 10 of uh, NHL drafts, and we've been doing from 2010, and we're going to end at 2017, and then we're going to do the NBA drafts. But uh, if you haven't checked it already, check last week's episode we did the 2014 nhl draft uh we redrafted that and this time it's the 2015 draft and michael do you have any comments about this draft this is probably going to be one of the best drafts uh in a long time just from the looks of uh some of the picks Mm -hmm. i think the first two are going to be very easy but then afterwards it's going to get very interesting i think we've been uh, i think we've been saying this draft is really good for the last few drafts but this (laughs) one is really honestly one of the best drafts it's looking like one of the best drafts of all time i'm very excited about this one and i just can't i also can't believe we're almost done with the nhl drafts they've been flying by Mm. only two more after this week uh these have been fun i hope you guys have enjoyed it but uh i'm also very looking forward to doing the nba drafts nba ones would be really fun oh yeah there's there's a lot of players who are gonna you know there i feel like there are a lot of busts in the nba but a lot of gems as well later on too absolutely Mm mm-hmm Let's not waste any more time and uh, get the first two picks out of the way. And uh, I have the first pick. Uh, how we do it is uh, we pick back and forth, and we just build a team that way. Um, but we, we so uh, I, I go first, and I I mean let's be real. Uh, the 2015 draft has arguably the best player in the league in the world right now, uh, and I'm going to take him number one. So from the Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid goes first overall in our redraft. <laughs> I think that was probably that must have been the hardest decision for you, was it not? So hard, super hard. <laughs> man, I, I was sweating there. It's like, oh man, I wonder who he's gonna pick. <laughs> You're hoping you could steal Connor McDavid at fifth overall. <laughs> oh man, imagine that. He slips all the way to ten. Uh, what a world that would be. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's not much to say there. I don't even need to read off his stats or anything like that. We know he's, uh, you know. I don't even want to say arguably. He is arguably the best player in the league, but uh, uh, and some people might say, you know, Sidney Crosby or Nathan McKinnon up there too, but um, definitely, definitely one of the best, if not the best player in the NHL, and I'll leave it at that. I mean, MVP caliber every single year, um, you know, already an MVP, already, uh, 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 you know, won the scoring race uh, a couple times actually, but yeah, not much more to be said. He could have easily won it again this year. Mm-hmm. And he's like 
who has a best one-two punch with uh, Leon Dreisel, who we drafted first uh, last week's uh, draft for 2014. Mm-hmm. This like this guy is unbelievable. He could easily win the Go Mastin this year just because he suffered a gruesome injury last year, came back, and had a stellar season. And uh, funny, interesting of note uh, for Connor McDavid, I believe I've mentioned this in the past, but uh, me and him, we share the exact same birthday down to the year. Nice. Wow. Well, That's one interesting. player was, uh, <laughs> was a, a great player was born that day, and uh, some random guy on a podcast was also born. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but you have the second overall pick, and I'm pretty sure you won't have much difficulty with this one either. Oh, I'm actually sweating for this one. This was this was actually the toughest decision I've ever had to make. Uh, so many great players I, I had to pick, uh, and I can't believe I'm leaving some excellent players. It's just such a good draft. I know, uh, but uh, with great hesitation, I'm going to take Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel, honestly, again, what's, what else is there to say? But he's a magnificent player. Um, you know, the the Buffalo Sabres, although they didn't get Connor McDavid, they got a great prize in second in second place, really. And uh, he's he's been a star player, one of the best players in the league. Um, and uh, of course, we know Buffalo's been uh, having their troubles for the last few years, but he's been the brightest spot on that team for ever since he entered the league, really. I think Jack Eichel is the greatest consolation prize in NHL history, mm-hmm. bar none. Mm-hmm. I think like, if there's one year where you could be okay with missing out on. Uh, a generational talent it would have been that year because you you got a a quality player with the second overall pick and buffalo is so lucky to have him because if he's not on that team i don't think they would be anywhere where they are and they'd probably be even 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 worse spot without a franchise centerman mm-hmm. like him i agree so uh i have the third overall pick we want to keep this going so i mean i know in other episodes we've kind of given more analysis but we're going to keep, uh, keep the this one going a little more a little more short quickly, and sweet. short and sweet. But with number three, I'm going to take from the Toronto Maple Leafs, Mitch Marner. Good choice. I had mm-hmm. him at three as well. Yeah. I mean, again, this draft is just so good. Um, a lot of players here, you know, I feel like three to five. I was, the players I have ranked at three to five are all viable picks for number three, four or five. Um, but I went with Mitch Marner. Um, again, he's, I mean, this this season he had another great season, uh, but his his main his breakout season really was last season when he scored uh, uh, ninety plus points, I believe ninety four points um, on the season, and uh, he's really broken out into this league, become one of the best wingers. Uh, he has sixty seven points this uh, season, and uh, I, I he's just a really explosive winger, and I'm glad he's a Toronto Maple Leaf. I'm glad too. And honestly, this year people over, severely overrated in the sense that uh, he really did bad, or maybe underrated is the better word. Because like, yeah, he had the injury. Yeah, he didn't have as great of a year as he did in 2018, 19. But he's still an amazing player, and the Leafs are lucky to have him because mm-hmm. he's one of the top scoring wingers in the NHL. Still a point per game player. Absolutely, can't mm-hmm. go wrong with that. Oh yeah. Um. So now you have number four. I do, and uh, I think this will pretty much spoil it right away. This player is going to make the biggest jump of all the top 10 picks uh, uh, for who we're going to be redrafting uh, with the top 10. And uh, needs no introduction, Sebastian Ajo. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought you would take him. Uh, like I said, the, this this group of picks right here in the middle, um, they're, they're so good. They're just all so good. Um, but, yeah, definitely a gem 
of a pickup for the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, quickly jumped into their number one center position. Uh, and really, he, he is really the anchor for their team. Um, again, this season, he put up 66 points in 68 games. But the main thing was he scored 38 goals this season. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's just a really productive center. May I add a Montreal Canadiens legend? <laughs> oh man, that was that was quite the saga. I mean, nobody really thought that they would be able to, uh, that they would that they would be able to sign him. But uh, I mean, it was fun to see. Well, I will say this uh, before we move on. I can't believe uh, Mark Bergevin thought it'd be a great idea to do a very reasonable contract for uh, Aho that the Hurricanes could easily match. And the only thing that they thought would make make them hesitate was for being front loaded on uh, bonuses. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so uh I believe I have pick number 5 now or is a yeah, number 5. Um so with my fifth pick, um I'm going to take uh another great player honestly, um Miko Rantanen. Again, Excellent. can't go wrong with these picks. It's just star after star in this uh in this draft. Um Rantanen, Rantanen has been just an insanely good player. Um this year he kind of took a, a short step back, but he also didn't play as many games this season. Um, still nearly at a point per game uh, pace, but of course his big season was uh, his last two seasons where he put up 84 points and 87 points um, in both those seasons. And mm-hmm. uh, again, last season he scored 31 goals, so a 30-goal score. And really he's emerged as a star, another star for Colorado as well. And I feel like they're just... Uh, hitting with all their picks for the la- in the last, you know, in the last five, four or five years. And trades, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it's funny. Since we're mentioning Rantanen, uh, before you talk, uh, I wrote an article back during the 2015 uh, draft era mentioning that the Leafs should snag up uh, Miko Rantanen, not knowing that Mitch Marner was going to be an amazing player in his own right. Uh, you know, in looking back, I think the Leafs wouldn't be too mad with uh, if they took picked up Rantanen instead of Marner because – Rantanen's turned out great. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I had Rantanen right after Marner in my uh, draft rankings, and uh, like I said, like either of them, both both are stars in this league, really. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and I think the same can be said for the player that I'm going to be taking at number six, uh, the Calder Trophy winner, <laughs> as John Tavares uh, called him uh, during the uh, his introduction in 2018 with the Leafs, uh, Matt Barzell. Matt Barzell, of course, uh, the New York Islanders' new hope after John Tavares left and became a Maple Leaf. But uh, definitely, uh, Matt Barzell is insanely talented. Um, there's not much to say, really. Let me pull up some stats for him. But uh, he's really been able to take over that Islanders team post-Tavares. And uh, tur- honestly, he turned it into his own team. Um, and he's really been the anchor for the Islanders, and they've found a lot of success the last couple seasons. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely amazing to see what uh, that Islanders team has done in the wake of losing a franchise player like Tavares. Uh, and they quickly replaced him internally with another franchise center. Like It's absolutely insane mm-hmm. how lucky the Islanders are in that sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, consistent 60-point score. Um, his big season was, uh, of course, his breakout season, his rookie season, where he put up 85 points in 82 games. Um, but the last two seasons, he put up 62 and 60 points, respectively. And, uh, of course, 60 points uh, in 62 games this season is still, or 68 games this season is still an amazing 
uh, rate. Absolutely. And I have to say, Boston Bruins are really going to be kicking themselves for, for just missing out on him. Uh, mm-hmm. They had him. They had three straight picks, uh, 13, 14, and 15, and then did not pick him up. And then right away, the Islanders snagged him at 16th. Uh, Gotta say, uh, Boston, they could have had a content like a dynasty. And I believe uh, this was the pick that uh, Edmonton traded to uh, New York. And I believe there's mm-hmm. also a second round pick that they are another first round pick that turned out really well. Uh, mm-hmm. What For can the I Islanders. say? The Islanders did pretty well in this draft, I have oh, to yeah. say. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine if Edmonton had kept that pick and picked up Barzell? Oh, they, they're kicking themselves, too. Uh, I think that's another team that's going to be hating themselves uh, for the decisions they made and didn't make in this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, that was uh, a great pick. And uh, I believe, uh, is it you or me with the next pick? It's me. You're it's me. next with number seven. Yeah, I'm next with number seven. Um, I'm going to take uh, a defenseman here. I'm going to take from uh, the Blue Jackets, Zach Warinski. Ooh, mm-hmm. nice. And uh, I mean... In uh, 2016, the for the rookie of the year, he was right up there with Austin Matthews. Of course, Austin Matthews ended up taking it. But uh, Wierenski's a honestly an amazing defenseman. Um, he's an all-star caliber. Uh, he really is a star defenseman in this league. And and uh, give it a few more years, and he'll keep. You know, he's already been doing so well. And uh, I, I'm interested because we're going to be able to see a lot more of him um, in the in these playoffs when the Leafs uh, face the the Blue Jackets. Yeah, the Blue Jackets have done a really good job of building their blue line, and I think that uh, that's going to be one of their key strengths going forward. Having a guy like Wierenski uh, be a consistent 40-plus point score is uh, huge for them. And he's got good size. Uh, he's not just a, a guy that just racks up assists. He can put the puck in the net at least mm, 10 20, times. 20 goals this season. Oh, chef's kiss. Amazing mm-hmm. pick for the Blue Jackets. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're up with number eight now. I'm going to also take a defenseman. Uh, I could have taken uh, one that uh, was snagged a little bit later on, but I just can't ignore this other one, who I also thought the Leafs were going to snag up with, at fourth overall. But uh, Philadelphia did really well with him, uh, Ivan Provorov. Ivan Provorov, that's a great pick. Um, definitely, he's uh, emerging as one of the uh, premier defensemen in this draft. And definitely... Um, again, just looking at how young he is, only 23, um, he can definitely keep developing into a premier defenseman in this entire league as he's all he's already showing like a lot of potential. Absolutely. And he's uh, going to definitely be the face of the blue, the Flyers blue line for years to come. Mm-hmm. He's got great, good size. He's, he's good at both ends of the ice. Uh, maybe some Flyers fans will disagree with me on that, but uh, you can't argue with uh, his value to the team. Provorov mm-hmm. is an, was an excellent pick uh, in his draft year, and uh, I think he's developed really well. Hopefully, a Norris Trophy in his future. Mm-hmm. Um, and with my, uh, I believe I have the last pick, the tenth. Or no, what what number are we on? Ninth. Nine. <laughs> I'm so bad with numbers <laughs> today. Um, okay. But with my ninth pick, I'm gonna go with uh, from the Vancouver Canucks, Brock Besser. Good pick. Mm-hmm. I feel like this entire top ten is gonna be like stars just all-star caliber players and that just speaks uh speaks sentiments to how 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 deep this draft is and not even i wouldn't even say deep just how star powered this draft is i feel like some of our honorable mentions will be all-stars as well oh absolutely and i'm already dreading this 10th pick just because of how difficult it is to to leave one of them out 
Like, yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, again, uh, just uh, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. Besser's uh, he's really been leading um the Canucks uh, offensive court even uh, well before uh Patterson stepped in into Vancouver. And uh, again, just a just a star caliber player um that's been that's been very productive for Vancouver. Oh, absolutely. Um, like I said, uh, yeah, Besser's been great. Vancouver recently has been doing well with drafting, and uh, oh yeah, that's just a big part of their future. That's for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, forty-five points this season is uh, he, he kind of took a step back this season, but still something very, very good. Especially those his numbers that he puts up are are very um productive uh for his role. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh man, now is the tenth pick and. I'm really going to kick myself for which player I do end up uh, skipping out on because this is uh, probably the hardest to, like, whoever, whoever I leave out, I'm going to feel so bad for not giving them, not picking them. But that just speaks to uh, just how good both these players are. And uh, I will, will immediately mention them, the other one, in the honorable mentions. Uh, oh, yeah. This draft is my... just crazy. <laughs> it's all sure. stars. It's all, it's like the other drafts were like, oh, you know, he's a good second line center. You know, he's a good uh role player this one's like ev- every single one's a star absolutely it's yeah. i'm so mad that i'm gonna leave this uh player off but uh i originally had this player taken but i'm gonna switch it over to uh a winger on the jets uh kyle connor kyle connor nice that's interesting yeah um connor i mean first i i'm just looking at it. you're right you had so many uh so many different players you could chose from at number 10 and just when you say that just at number 10 how many star players are still available um it's crazy but yeah it's, it's Kyle crazy. Connor uh is definitely a great forward for uh the Jets um and he's really he's really been great this season 73 points this season uh 38 goals um can't go wrong with a player like that it's even 66 points last season he's really uh He's been a, 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 a consistent 30-goal scorer, and you can never go wrong with a player like that on your team. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't he on pace for like 45 goals this mm-hmm. year? He already had 38 he on had the 38. year. He surpassed 40. Oh, like, yeah. That's a meaningful value for a 17th overall pick. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's put up 30 goals three to, uh, three seasons straight now. It's it's about time he had 40. Absolutely. I think he'll, get it. he'll hit it next year, especially – if he plays alongside uh, Shifley and potentially either Wheeler or Line A, depending on what their plan is in Winnipeg, Winnipeg's got something going. Oh, and yeah. this is just another example of a quality player that they drafted. Oh, yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's our draft. That's our top 10. Um, but now we'll go into honorable mentions. And honestly, this one's insane because I like our top 10. And it's just crazy to think that these honorable mentions have, like, legitimate all-stars in this league. That oh, we're about to name. I mean, I'll I'm, start. I'll start with a few. Uh, I had two players here that went undrafted that were numbers nine and ten on my draft board: um, Thomas Shabbat and Timo Meyer. Um, both that, great that players. Shabbat again, uh, really the anchor for Ottawa's blue line, especially blue line of the future. Um, he's been he's been great. I mean, fifty five points last season as a defenseman is nothing to you know, shake a stick at, um, and, uh, Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer's really come into his own, uh, 
last season especially it was his breakout season and this season he put up a really good season as well last season 66 points 30 30 goals he really stepped into uh, a role that the sharks needed with their aging core yep. um and noah hannafin um another great player went fifth overall uh honestly has the potential to be a really big star in this league if he keeps uh he has a high potential of course and he's already been an all-star um and uh yeah, I mean, those are three good players. What about you? Well, before I get into mine, I uh, just want to let the record show that I was originally thinking of taking Shabbat 10th overall, mm-hmm. and I just I just had to switch. I'm so sorry to Sanders fans that are listening. Uh, but yeah, that was, that's what I mean, how tough it is to just leave Shabbat undrafted at 10. He's mm-hmm. just that good, and I think he's going to be the face of the, the Sanders for a long time. But uh, some other players that we haven't mentioned yet, uh, of course, Travis Konechny, another great player on the uh, Philip Flyers. He's really, he's really broken out this season, too. 61 points this season. I think he's got a chance to be yet another Brad Marchand-type player where he's mm-hmm. a great scorer but could also be a jerk. Uh, players like that are super valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned Beauvillier earlier. Doesn't need much introduction. But a few other players that should, um, off the top of my head, uh, Jake DeBrusque. Uh, hate him all you want. He's a great player. I think mm-hmm. that was the best the Bruins got in the first round mm, he's a he's a good player he really is and um yeah that's 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 uh the best pick the Bruins got that so that drops so at least they could be happy with that yeah uh, a few more names I want to mention really quickly Anthony Shirelli an underrated gem for the Lightning Connor Garland it's not bad Evgeny Sveshnikov uh, yeah mm-hmm. Colin White yep oh yep John Great Marino players. underrated mm-hmm. player on the uh Penguins, Ethan Bear, Dylan and, Strom. Uh, Let's not forget he's uh he's really picked it up ever since he uh arrived in Chicago. And of course, we got to mention some Leafs uh, on here. Uh, a few that are like Travis Dermott, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, really developed into a good top four defenseman. And the newest Leaf, Dennis Malkin, was drafted in 2015. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, I actually did not know that. I was surprised too when I saw his name on here. I was like, "Huh, I didn't know, not know that." Oh yeah, um, but man, I'm just I'm scrolling through the names right here. Uh, especially that first round was just deep. Like, I think it'll be up there with 2003's first round with just like talent everywhere. Very I'm solid talent. Forward. I'm looking forward to seeing the goalies that come out of this draft. Ilya Ilya Samsonov. There's a goalie uh, for and Washington Capitals. On the mm-hmm. And Blackwood. Uh, Nick Merkley, there's another name. Uh, yeah, it's just been a really, it was a really solid draft. Daniel Sprong, uh, yeah, this is this is an amazing draft, and uh, I will, yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm sure more names will pop out of this draft in the next few years. I think this draft and the 2013 draft are gonna have a very unique competition, like who's gonna end up being the best draft uh, of the of the last ten years, because mm-hmm. those two have very strong cases to be made. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm very once I once the goalies really emerge for both uh, draft years, I think that'll really tell which draft was the better one. And I think it's just so. It, I think we've already seen two quality goalies come up, and they've got bright futures ahead for their respective teams. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. I'm really look. I'm really happy with our picks, but uh, obviously some great names we that just missed out. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was our 2015 draft. Uh, next week we will do the 2016 NHL draft. 
um, which, uh, as we all know, had the first overall pick, uh, Austin Matthews, to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that uh, that that draft shapes up. I think there's going to be some hard decisions uh, <laughs> with oh, yeah. the first. Never got that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, with that, uh, we will go into some fan. Well, I don't. I don't even want to call them fan. Just listener questions. Um, some listener questions, and uh, we'll close out the episode. Yes. Uh, before we get started, we have a lot this week. Like this is probably the most we've gotten so far. Uh, mm-hmm. First, of all, and thank I love you seeing everybody. that. I love seeing that. And uh, yes, first of all, thank you everyone who sent your questions before we get started. Uh, and I'm noticing some fun ones too, which I I've kind of liked. I I encourage you all to uh, mm-hmm. not just be limited to just hockey like sports related questions. If you want to send us a fun question, funny question, uh, feel free to send that too. Uh, I, I think it'll make for some interesting discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll ask the first question. Um, I mean, since we're on the topic of. Uh of the draft and especially the 2016 draft, which is next week for, uh, on our episode. Um, Maha asks, uh, it's been four years since the Leafs drafted Austin Matthews. Did you anticipate him being this good? Damn, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I'll go first. Uh, just because I was thinking about this the other day. Um, you know, I look, I was watching, uh, Bob McKenzie's, um, draft rankings his final draft rankings and uh um i remember they mentioned uh that alexi lafreniere is uh you know obviously he's going to be a franchise player as well but they said he's a, a just a, a a step behind you know mcdavid mckinnon and matthews and for me to think that matthews is you know up ahead of lafreniere who no doubt i'm pretty sure lafreniere will be a top player, a superstar in this league. Um, but to think of Matthews in that uh, tier, um, and, and it's true, he really is in that tier. And I know he's been, uh, you know, he's been becoming more of a complete player recently, and he's been working on that. I think give it a few years, and he'll really solidify himself as, you know, a top five player in the league. Um, but it's just crazy because I remember when the Leafs won the... <laughs> won the draft lottery i was or even just drafted austin matthews i was thinking like you know realistically i think he'll put up you know 50 points 60 points in his first season just as a rookie and he obviously exceeded that and he's been exceeding his uh he's been exceeding his expectations and it's just crazy because i i was like watch the toronto maple Leafs, knowing their luck will have a bust or something or a player who doesn't you know who's just a, a tier lower than than you know, McDavid, McKinnon, you know, Taylor Hall, those those first overall picks. Oh, but here we are. Here we are. And he's arguably, if you're looking at the top, top number one overall picks in the last decade, it would probably go McDavid, McKinnon, Matthews. He's definitely up there, yeah. You know, it's crazy. At the time, I was excited about him. I knew he was going to be a great player. But... I think a lot of Leaf fans will agree with me on this. You always have that seed of doubt because you're like you're always expecting the worst when it comes let's, to the Leafs. <laughs> let's all yeah, exactly. And let's also uh, not forget when he was drafted, um, how they were like how scouts were, um, were analyzing him. They were basically saying uh, he was uh, you know if he w- if he had gone in the 2015 draft, which he was supposed to go if he was born you know a, a few months earlier. Um, he he would be behind 
McDavid and Eichel. And now to see him, you know, again, arguably better than Eichel or right up there with Eichel. Um, I mean, that's a step forward that, that a lot of people didn't see coming at the time. Yep. Uh, that's, that's, I think that's my major takeaway. Like, obviously, I knew he was going to be great. You always have that seated doubt as a Leaf fan. Mm-hmm. But he turned out to be better than you ever thought he would, could be. And I made a tweet like months ago, and I believe that will still ring true. And I'll always stand by it. Matthews, when he's on his at his best, is going to be Anze Kopitar with Alex Ovechkin's shot. Mm-hmm. Just has... how fun is that going to be? No, he has arguably... His game is like... And I said this from the beginning. His game is like Anze Kopitar's probably his best uh, comparison. Um, and yeah, he's just developed a shot every year. And it's probably one of the most deadly shots in the NHL, for sure. Man, just to think that he's developed also his one-timer the last few years and this season especially we've seen it in full force a full-time all-star like what can be said about this guy that hasn't been said already he's mm-hmm. a he's gonna be one of the faces of the league for years to come i'm really looking forward to it oh yeah um and uh michael do you want to ask us uh ask the next question yes i believe that this is probably a great pick a, a great segue since we're talking about like the faces of the leafs uh Mitch Marner has come up apparently in some fan trade rumors, even though that shouldn't happen. But uh, Quinn, Quinn Storm, shout out to him, uh, ask the second overall pick for Mitch Marner, would you do it? And if you would do it, who are you drafting and why? Um, now, I'm just going to answer right away and say yeah. no. No? No. Okay. Just I'm not, not going to mm-hmm. do that trade. No way. What about you? I'm with you. No. And uh, <laughs> let me explain. Um for one, the draft, this draft is really, it's a really strong draft. Don't get me wrong. Um, but let's look at the Leafs timeline for a shot of the Stanley Cup. And uh, there's really no point in getting younger right now or basically taking a star and just, you know, making him younger. Because essentially that's what the trade would do, right? You're trying to swap Mitch Marner for a younger star who also, it saves you salary. But I mean, with the years that, Marner got to develop himself um that's needed and that is that plays a factor into the the Leafs Stanley Cup window the Leafs are at this point in time where they need these players you know Austin Matthews William Nylander Mitch Marner who have developed now what three to four years in the making and uh they need those guys ready to go um and to contend and there's no point in getting younger because of course when you're getting younger you still need to give those uh, those rookies, those young guys, uh, a, a couple years to develop themselves. And, you know, it's very rare that a rookie will come out and even lead a team to the Stanley Cup. So there's really no point in setting the, the, the plan back like that just to save on some salary and, and you know, shut off really a, a, just a couple years. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you on all those points. And this is my major takeaway. Why would the Leafs purposely set themselves back a few years just so they can get a top pick in a draft. I don't think that's how team building should work. Like, how do you build a team's confidence by just immediately saying, oh, well, it's four years in. Let's just trade one of our stars just so we can draft mm-hmm. another star. This didn't work out as well as planned, but let's try it again and see if this works out this time. Mm-hmm. I don't, like, think about the locker room, like, inside the locker room, how they're going to feel if they see something like that happen. Oh, yeah. Like, I just, it doesn't make any sense. I would much rather the Leafs lose out on the play-in round and get the top pick in this year than have to trade for one. It doesn't make any sense to me. To I mean, trade for 
yeah. how a rebuild of course how rebuilds work is a team rebuilds their their core in a set period of time you know within a within a, a general period of drafts so the leafs let's say let's say they started their rebuild with the selection of morgan riley in 2012 so the leafs rebuild was around 2012 to 2016 that their core was built from that um you know like if we're comparing it to chicago chicago's was from a similar time uh like 2003 to 2007 when they got patrick kane and then they started contending immediately after and teams now the teams who are picking now let's say the ottawa senators the detroit red wings they'll be building from you know the last couple of years till you know the next few years and there's no point for the leafs to try and set their core back a few years just by that the only time i i would do a trade like that is when i'm playing nhl franchise mode on my playstation and i do that a lot because i take the star player who's demanding so much money and i just trade him for the first overall pick who's already an 82 overall and will become a 90 overall in the second season but that doesn't happen in the real world they take a lot more than one one year to become a superstar basically what we're trying to say is quinn god bless you but we're just not going to do that (laughs) Uh but he did ask uh he did ask a second part to that question he asked if if we would do it and i wouldn't do it but i I will ask this uh i will answer this because just about the draft in general but who would you draft so essentially the question is who would you draft second overall the leafs had the second overall pick and uh honestly i'd say uh quinton byfield simply put i think he would be a great fit for the leafs i think that's pretty much who teams are project like that's what the scouts are projecting. We go second overall. Uh, although I will say a uh, defenseman would be really nice. And Drysdale, Drysdale. is mm-hmm. to be a top five pick. And that wouldn't be too bad as a second overall pick as well. So yeah. by Phil Drysdale. If I think if, it, if you get the second overall pick though, I think you draft best available if anything. And especially if you're in the Leafs position, it could always be trade bait to trade down. Oh, of course. Yeah. And you can mm-hmm. get even more and more value with that second overall pick oh, than yeah. just partner straight up. Yeah. If you, if you, Honestly, if you were, uh, if I had the second overall pick and I didn't want, I wanted Drysdale, I wouldn't just take Drysdale a second. I'd try to, uh, you know, trade down to fourth or something. But hey, I'm not an NHL GM. Absolutely, yeah. Um, since we're actually talking about the draft, I think this next question makes a great transition. Uh, shout out to Juno once again. How do you know the least for asking mm-hmm. this one? Our boy Juno. The lottery is Friday. How tempting is it to want a mystery team winning the first overall pick? I'll keep this short and sweet because honestly, we need to answer these questions a little quicker, (laughs) but um, short and sweet. It's very important, Um, especially if you're a Leafs fan or if you're the Latron Maple Leafs or you're of any of those playoff teams. I think it would be very interesting if uh, one of those uh, playoff teams won it, because here's the thing, how they're running the draft lottery to my knowledge so far is that they're assigning so far. They haven't assigned any teams to those playoff team placeholders. It's just, you know, um playoff team a b c d that has a chance at winning the draft lottery so as long as like let's just say whatever playoff team c wins the draft lottery then once the playoffs conclude one of those playoff teams can be that playoff team c and i don't know how they're i think they do that in the second uh in the second drawing they choose who gets to be that team um but if any team, if any playoff team gets selected in this first phase of the draft lottery, that just means the Toronto Maple Leafs have a chance, no matter what. 
Absolutely. So why wouldn't you? Even if it doesn't end up being the Toronto Maple Leafs, why wouldn't the Toronto Maple Leafs want, you know, one of those playoff teams, those placeholders winning it? Oh, of course. And that's why I think that's what it comes down to. How It's just for, for the chaos in me that just loves seeing uh, crazy things happen in sports. Because sports are funny at the end of the day. That would be the funniest and the probably upsetting for some fans thing that could happen. Can you if, imagine uh, if all... If all three of the top three teams or top three picks in the lottery were, uh, you know, playoff teams. Well, I'll tell you one thing. There's uh, two teams that would be very upset if that happened. Mm-hmm. And they're both in the, the Atlantic division. <laughs> I, I think you know who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but that would be that would be just insane. It's very unlikely to happen. But, hey, you never know, right? That's the whole point about it's the beauty of sports. Anything mm-hmm. can happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what will make it fun if it does happen. But knowing, that, like, realistically speaking, I believe the Red Wings and the Senators are going to win at least one of the two yeah. drop lotteries. But they, probably the Red Wings are going to have the worst season in their entire existence and then have the fourth overall mm-hmm. pick. And if we're, putting, if we're putting in our, our quick uh, predictions, I think it'll go Detroit first, Ottawa second, Ottawa third. I think that's a pretty good prediction. That'd be great. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll we'll uh, move on though. We have a few more questions. Uh, let's keep it going. Uh, yep. Here's kind of a funny question. Uh, should the Leafs uh, trade for Josh uh, Levo? And, and since the answer is yes, why? That comes from Ty at Levo. So that's an <laughs> on-brand question. Um, good question. Good question. But uh, uh, my serious answer is. Uh, no, because we do know that he did not really want to be in, in this situation in Toronto anymore. So, again, good for him. I know he he's producing well, um, not with the Toronto Maple Leafs now. But, uh, yeah, I, I just don't think it will work anyways. I will say this, though. I think if, on one hand, yes, I don't think it will work. But at the same time, part of the reason why he was traded was because Mike Babcock was the coach at the time. And he wasn't really giving him much of a chance to play. Whereas I believe with the Marlies, he was doing much better. And Sheldon Keefe was the coach. And Sheldon Keefe knows what he has in uh, Josh Steven. And I th- believe he'll most certainly utilize him properly mm-hmm. if that's, if he does decide to come back. That's the only thing I would say would make sense for uh, Levo to come back. But remember, the Leafs have so many left-wingers. It's just really hard to keep track of how many players they have on their team. Uh, but if he does come back, uh, I'll, I'll welcome it. I think he could do much better than he did mm-hmm. in the first Let's not forget, though, yeah, he did want out because he just didn't feel that the situation in Toronto would help him further his career. Of course, yeah. But, but he's doing well in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lineup logjam, essentially. And that's perfectly fine. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have the next question? Yes. Uh, this is from uh, one of our colleagues at uh, Editor and Leaf. Uh, this is Mark at uh, It's Lugsty. He asked, how will Robertson do for the Leafs when hockey starts up? And I believe we have answered questions like this similarly in the past. Let's just keep this uh, very short and sweet. I think when hockey resumes, he'll likely play in the third line. Uh, I said he could do; he could even be a potentially top six role, but realistically, he's going to be on the third line. And I think he'll do fairly well. Mm. As for uh, the his first full season in 2021, uh, that remains to be seen. But I think he can make an impact. Mm-hmm. And I know everyone's kind of riding the hype train on uh, 
Robertson right now, but let's not forget, you know, he's still fairly inexperienced and you really need to start him off slow. So as we spoke about this on the previous episode, um, he'll start in the bottom six and we'll see how he does. And I really do think he can be promoted up to that top six, uh, but we'll, we'll have to see. I, I hope he does bottom well. Bottom six for sure. Probably third line. I think he'll be a great impact on the Leafs power play, but uh, again, it's just we don't know yet. And because there's just so much time between now and when the playoffs start, it's just hard to project. But I'm hoping we're hoping for good things. That's what we're trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, our next question comes from uh, totally totally offside, <laughs> and he shout asked, out. <laughs> great guy. "Shout out, yeah, for sure." And his uh, question is: Is cheesecake cake? I'm just gonna simply say yes. It is. It's cake. <laughs> it is like, cake. It's in the name. Like that should not make it hard. Yeah, it's not like the taco or hot dog sandwich debate. This one's like cheese cake. It's cake made with cheese. Just like you have chocolate cake, which is chocolate cake because it's made out of chocolate. <laughs> I I don't understand why there's even people suggesting <laughs> that uh, cheesecake could be a pie. That doesn't make any sense. Because a pie would have more breading around it. That's what I. It doesn't make any sense. Like it's 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 a cake. <laughs> <laughs> Cheesecake is cake. <laughs> next <think> question. <laughs> but thanks for the question. But yeah, next question. Do you have any more? Yes, we do. We have one more, and it's a series of questions uh, from uh, a great account, by the way. I should point out uh, Gordon Bombay. Gordon he Bombay. asked a, a, a series of uh, like debates. So we're going to go through these really quickly. Uh, first one is Shelton Keefe versus uh, John Tortorella. Um, this one's going to be interesting because, of course, we're going to see these two coaches match up against each other uh, in the playoffs, in the qualifying round. But uh, I'm going to go with Shelton Keefe. I think he's really positively impacted the Leafs. And I think it's hard to say because he's barely got one season under his belt. But Absolutely. I'm going to go with him for now. I think that's a very good prediction uh, one to go with. I think in the long run, I think it'll definitely be Sheldon Keith. But remember, if we don't, Sheldon Keith has barely had a year under his belt, and this will be his first playoffs, quote unquote, since it's not really the playoffs. And uh, if we're talking about just pure experience and uh, that ability to find another gear in the players he has, you gotta give Tortorella credit. And that's why I think for now, I'm giving the edge to Tortorella. But I can see it being switched to Keith uh, if how depending on how the series goes. If it does play, of course. Um, of next question. Uh, extreme offense or extreme defense? I'm going to go with extreme defense. Defense yeah. wins championships. Um, and we know that. We know, uh, again, like St. Louis last year had a, had a great defensive core. Um, if we cross-reference, because I love to cross-reference, uh, cross-sport, make cross-sport references, the Toronto Raptors were... a extreme defensive team like they were they were one of the best defensive teams in the league and uh that showed more than anything more than their offense and uh i mean it doesn't even matter what sport but defense wins championships what about you uh yeah i I totally agree like i think at the end of the day when it comes to winning championships you gotta have a great defensive uh unit uh that makes the biggest difference but uh i will say this from pure entertainment offense is a lot of fun (laughs) But uh, I think you want to, you'd rather win championships because that's what really matters at the end of the day. If you don't mm-hmm. win a cup, uh, no one will care if you score like 500 goals. Oh, yeah. Um, any more? 
One more, and this is another fun one. It's about boneless wings. Should not be considered wings. <laughs> uh, is it okay? Maybe he doesn't really ask. I think he's asking, ask should boneless wings be considered wings? Yeah, I think that's probably what he's asking. I don't know. What uh, do you think? Well, that's hard to think about. Are, are, they're like they're basically chicken nuggets then, because they're just uh, it's just meat. Glorified chicken nuggets at that. Uh, which is it's a one way of putting it, but uh, yeah, no, I think they're nuggets. Uh, they're they're not true wings. A wing has a bone in it, whether it's just one big bone, which is the wing, or like the side piece with like two small bones. Well, I mean, technically, a wing, a wing is the fact that it's the wing part of a chicken. <laughs> yeah, does it matter but, if bones are there? It's still a wing, technically, by it in terms of the anatomy of a chicken <laughs> yeah i i just it's you can you can tell it's it's not real chicken like because like look at i'm looking at pictures of boneless uh, chicken wings they could call they could cross off as uh come across as chicken bites which are itself uh, just another version of chicken nuggets like you can ch change name all you want at the end of the day it's just chicken nuggets mm -hmm. so are we going with no i mean they do taste differently though they're obviously made differently oh of course yeah but i'm just i think the, the answer here is uh, no, they're not wings. They are glorified chicken nuggets, but mm -hmm. still good. Though. I agree. We'll go with their, their not wings. So, yeah. Okay. I, I, <laughs> Those are all the questions. Pardon? Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, since yeah. that's all the questions. Uh, again, thank you everybody for sending your questions mm -hmm. in. We're just going to reiterate what we said at the top. Uh, don't just send uh, hockey questions. Send us sports questions in general. We like those. And also the fun ones. Fun questions. Uh, which are great discussion. Video game questions because we talk about video games a lot. Yes. Thank you. I was meaning to bring that up. Please talk us about, ask us about video games. We'd love to chat, chat about it too. Mm -hmm. And make sure to catch us on stream because we do uh, debate a lot of stuff on there too. We, of course. We, we, we debate a lot of funny stuff like that too. Um, Consider it some of an extension of the of the podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, just to reiterate, uh, yeah, definitely send us more questions and to close up the podcast, of course you can follow me and send me questions, tweet me questions whenever, not just when Michael puts out his, uh, his, uh, call for call for questions on Twitter. You can send them anytime you could DM whatever. Uh, but my Twitter is at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. Same thing for me. Uh, mine's at the leaf sign Mo. Uh, Feel free to send questions at any time. We mm -hmm. will make sure to get to them uh, on each uh, episode. Uh, and again, we appreciate your questions. Uh, but also, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope you. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, and uh, a great discussion. I'm sure we'll be following next week. For sure, um, I'm looking forward to next week. It'll be great. And uh, I mean, of course, uh, also check us out on on stream again. Twitch.tv/slash Matt Rodrigo. Um, and be on the lookout for that uh for that Mario Kart tournament. Uh of course, check out our Twitter for all that. All all the information for that. With that, I think we'll uh end today's episode and I'm going to go play some uh SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> let me know let me know how it is. Let me know how it is. Um but yeah, thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye.